This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, let me ask you something. Am I right? Running to the store has been pretty stressful lately, and there is nothing worse than forgetting something on your list and then having to go back and make multiple trips. I hate that. Shopping for home essentials should be easy and convenient. This is where Grove Collaborative comes in. I love this company, and I love the proposition. Grove is the online marketplace that delivers healthy home, beauty, and personal care products directly to you. You see, Grove Collaborative takes the guesswork out of going green. Just browse the site for thousands of home, beauty, and personal care products, all guaranteed to be good for you, your family, your home, and the planet. And with Grove, you don't have to shop multiple stores or search endlessly online to get all the natural goods that you want for you and your family. So join over 2 million households who have trusted Grove Collaborative to make their homes happier and healthier. I said 2 million. And shipping is fast and free on your first order. Making the switch to natural products has never been easier and for a limited time. When you go to grove.co slash roam, you will get to choose a free gift with your first order of $30 or more. But you have to use our special code. Go to grove.co slash roam to get your exclusive offer, grove.co slash roam. And this program has been so down for so long, it made no sense to me whatsoever that they wouldn't take another risk, especially when I've actually coached. Some of those guys had never even coached a day. And yet they you know, made that call to me, and so I'm sorry we're going a different direction. And that was three years ago. And by the way, just, they haven't been 500 since. So I'm just saying. Hey, what's cracking? Welcome to episode 178 of the Jim Rome Podcast. And as always, thank you very much for checking out our side hustle. Great to have you here. And just as nice to have Tim Legler is my guest this week. He is a 10-year vet of the association, a former sharpshooter who dominated the 96 three-point contest and Hoops Mainstay at ESPN. On top of that, he co-hosts No Look Pass weekdays on Sirius XM NBA Radio. Great to get caught up with him, but especially this time of year with a wild and crazy NBA postseason. So let's not waste any time. Let's get right at it. It's episode 178 with NBA analyst Tim Legler, and it's coming at you right now. Tim, it has been a minute or two since you and I have spoken. So first of all, it is great to have you on this podcast. Thank you so much. How are you doing? How is your life? How are you and yours? Bring me up to date. Yeah, man, everything's good. It's, uh, you know, this has been a wild time for everybody, right? And and so for me to uh, think that I walked out of ESPN uh, the night that Rudy Gobert tested positive, uh, if you can remember this, <laughs> going back March a year ago, um, walked out, told everybody, hey, you know, I guess I'll see you in a couple weeks. And I just went back and set foot on campus at ESPN in Bristol for the first time last week. So, wow. uh, you know, no one really expected that. I've been able to work from home and, and keep this thing going, doing my, my job uh, with Sirius Radio as well. Family's good. Everybody's good, man. So um, uh, certainly better times right now with, uh, with society getting back to normal and, 
And a lot to talk about right now in the NBA, honestly. It's been a pretty busy, uh, pretty news cycle. Boy, I'll say, Tim, it really has been something like the past year, as you point out. For you to finally get back on campus after one year in and of itself is amazing. But when you talk about that news cycle, I mean, what a wild 24 hours. Like, I was anxious to talk to you about Kevin Durant's incredible effort last night in that Game 5 win over Milwaukee. But then the news breaks that Chris Paul goes into the league's COVID-19 health and safety protocols. The Clippers lose Kawhi Leonard indefinitely. Like, broadly speaking, what is your overall reaction to everything that's gone down in the last several hours? I think, honestly, for me, the first thing I said when I heard the news about Chris Paul and Kawhi Leonard was it, it almost seems fitting that we're getting things like that happen because of the year that it's been. For me, you know, 20 years now covering the league since I retired, and I've never seen a regular season like this with this many guys missing this much time and the key guys in the league. So when you look at the top 25 players in the league and all those marquee names, marquee matchups that you expect to see all throughout the season, they just didn't transpire at all this year. I felt like every time I put on a game that I was really into watching and trying to get a barometer for two teams and how they stack up so I could figure out where they're at, nobody played. I mean, all the star players were out. It it just seemed like it was all year long. The product, to me, took a big hit all season. And, you know, the playoffs get here, and then we're starting to let fans back in. You kind of feel like you're getting some momentum, and then, bam, you know, you you get this right now. Just a devastating blow, obviously, for the Clippers. I mean, even even more so, because with Chris Paul right now, it's like there's time. You don't know exactly how long he's going to be out, and they're waiting on this other series to end. And if that drags on, that's obviously going to benefit the Suns. But with Kawhi Leonard and the Clippers and, and looking like Kawhi's going to you know, be out for the rest of the year, I just don't know how the Clippers survive. And you would think they're looking at it like, hey, Lakers aren't around. This could be our turn to go ahead and get through this and get to the finals, and then this happens. So it, it's just – it's been one shoe dropping after another, like all season long, and, and two more now here in the postseason. It almost seems fitting based on the year we've had. You know, Tim, there's so much in what you just said. There's so much to unpack in that and so much that's interesting. In fact, you got to me or got me to where I wanted to get to before I could even get there. Like, it's not even just them, right? It's Joel Embiid. It's LeBron. It's AD. It's Kyrie. It's Harden. It's all year long. I mean, was there no way around this because of the calendar, or did maybe they rush back for too much too soon? What could have been done to prevent this? Anything? No, I don't think anything. And I also think, I don't know, I'm one of these guys that I'm skeptical about some of the new thinking with the load management and the compressed schedule. You're talking to a guy that played for 10 years. You know, I played in the 90s 10 years. I mean, we played four games of five nights at that time. And we didn't have, you know, the, the same travel. I didn't have 32 people on staff to take care of, you know, an acupuncturist and a massage therapist and a nutritionist. Like, all the things that these teams have access to, in addition to how the improvements in travel and everything else and the benefits to the schedule and how they've tried to avoid, you know, packing games on top of each other. I mean, you, you can't get to a place historically to be better on your body from an, an um, NBA standpoint than now. And so for me, th- I just feel like that's a cop-out. I-, I think in a lot of ways I wonder, are we not pushing through anything anymore as NBA players? And that's part of the reason why you're seeing guys drop like flies. And I just think the data on all of this is so fresh and new. When you start talking about load management and all these different things, I've said it for a long time now, 
I want to see the data 20 years from now because this is the first group of players that are going through this and getting all this extra attention paid to rest. You're going to have to prove to me at some point this, number one, added years to your career where you can be play at a higher level because ultimately that's going to put more money in your pocket, and I'm all for that for, for, for any NBA player. And two, you're going to have to show me that guys can hold up better in the course of a given year and be better in the postseason because of the rest you got in the regular season. Because if you can't prove those two things, I don't know what we're doing all this for. Um, I need to see guys be better in the postseason, not break down. If you're giving them more rest in the regular season, none of that stuff makes sense to me. And I just wonder if we're at a point where we are coddling so much that now we're finding that, that guys aren't playing through enough to put their bodies to the test, and now you're having guys break down when, when your team needs you most. What we want when we are craving protein or we need more energy? Not bars or sugary snacks, not even energy drinks, no. You know what we want? Beef, pure and simple. So where's the beef? It's in a package of Old Trapper beef jerky. Old Trapper is not your old man's jerky. Shriveled. Dry, tasteless. Old Trapper beef jerky is made from lean strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a real wood fire. It's tender, it's tasty, it's not tough. And why is it so good? Because Old Trapper is a 50-year-old family business known for their relentless commitment to quality. They take smoked beef extremely seriously. You can taste it in every single bite. Old Trapper is packed with protein. It comes in four amazing flavors to satisfy all your cravings. Look for it in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you do not see it, just ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Oh, Trapper, what's your beef? Tim, like no names mentioned, but Anthony Davis, let me just ask you about him. Like nobody would ever doubt that this guy's a super talent and a super max guy. But if you're the L.A. Lakers or really you're anybody else, you know, once LeBron is gone, is that somebody that you would trust to be the face of the franchise or this very thing that you're talking about? Do these questions apply to him specifically? Yeah, I think he's he's a guy that'd be in that category, and I'd be wary of it. I'm on record as saying that. I mean, that that's, you know, you, obviously he's going to get it because that's that's what happens. I mean, it, it, you know, there are guys that get, are getting max contracts left and right around this league, um, and it's just because somebody's getting that money, so it's going to be given out. But I personally would be wary of that as a front office and thinking, is this guy going to be dependable when I need him most to be? Now they got through that. Season last year, they won a championship. It was very unique circumstances, and just so happens that they had enough health at the right time, and they also were able to keep their team together. I think that was just more a war of attrition than anything, putting those guys through that psychologically and physically down in Orlando. And you can see, like, some teams handled it better than others, and the Lakers were able to get through that. But now you're talking about getting back to a normal 82-game season next year, traveling, going into road arenas, all of those things, there's no doubt in my mind, there's going to be a chunk of time or multiple chunks of time throughout the year that a guy like AD is going to miss significant time. It, it's, it's just where we're at, and it's just not just him. It's other guys, too. Like I said, to me, it was unprecedented this year. I don't have all the data in front of me to see if it backs up what I said about like the top 25 guys in the league. I want to see like what the data says about how much time those guys missed this year because it certainly felt like, for me, I was rarely watching any team at full strength, and it was mostly these top guys because it's a different product if they don't play. 
Uh, Tim, I think you're right. Me, my staff and I, we talked about this almost every single night when I would throw games on. I'm like, that guy's not playing. This guy's not playing. And not that I've got some amazing threshold for somebody else's pain, but I think you're right. I experienced the exact same thing, that there were stars that were out every single night, seemingly. And, of course, that wouldn't be good for the product. You know, you mentioned the Clippers and where that leaves them without Kawhi Leonard. Let me ask you this. Like, you know if you're the Nets and you don't have Kyrie and you've got James Harden on one leg, but you do have Kevin Durant, you know you can say, hey, big fella, go get it get us 40 tonight and maybe he can rip you a game maybe even two I know this is not the same situation but if you're the Clippers and you don't have Kawhi is it realistic to think that you could go to Paul George and say hey yo go get us a game no it's not and and you know look I'm going to give Paul George credit because I've been a little bit hard on him uh over the last few years because I went and did some research on it because it just seemed to me like there's a pattern here and if you go back and you look at the way his seasons typically end, okay, in the playoffs, and the way he performs at key times. And, you know, he'll have a, an anomaly game thrown in over the last, you know, eight years where you go, okay, there you go, he had 36 in this game, that was a game five, that was an important game. I'm like, yeah, but that's not the pattern. The pattern is it, it's a serious flame-out. At the end, you can go all the way back to Indiana and look at some of some of those performances, the way his seasons ended. Then you go to Oklahoma City, you look at the way he played against Utah when they're getting closed out there. You look at the way he played last year in a Game Seven against uh, Denver, and so now he's been very good this postseason. I can't say he hasn't answered the bell. He's talked a lot about it. He said he's in a better place. He said it's going to be different. I'm going to give him credit. For the most part, he's been pretty damn consistent night in, night out. This is an entirely different thing. You're asking a guy to slide over from co-pilot seat to pilot seat, and now you're saying, look, from this here on out, you have to get us 30 to 35 on efficient shooting every night for us to have a chance. And I just don't see him being able to get that done. Um, and, And, look, you're playing a really good team. Mitchell's a little bit hobbled. I'm not exactly sure to what extent he's limited. I find it really hard to imagine the Clippers get through this series without Kawhi Leonard because that's the machine. He's a machine-like, the way he goes about the precision with which he attacks you. And then Paul George can sort of pick his spots and play off of him, less attention to him. This is different now. This is all eyes on you. Can you elevate this team in a situation where you're not favored to win the series and can you now go get that done? And I'm not sure that I would bet on him. Mm, I appreciate that response. Tim, what about, like, Chris Paul? I mean, he, this guy, his whole thing is so weird to me in the sense that he's 36, maybe not as explosive as he used to be, but he is so effective, and he is such an amazing leader, and the way he handles the team, the way he handles the ball, but just seems like the strangest, weirdest things always seem to happen to him at the weirdest time. I mean, is it is that unfair? Is there some kind of weird basketball karma going on here like what do you think when you look at him in his career yeah no I mean how can you not think that you know going all the way back to the to the Clippers days with those great teams and time after time and it wasn't just him it'd be somebody else too Blake would get hurt or he'd have a tight hamstring and and, and you know at the wrong time and then Houston they got the Warriors on the ropes they're up 3-2 and the, and the guy misses a couple games with a hamstring injury at a time when that's, that's like their one shot to get through that, and they, and they can't do it. Um, I will say this. The last two years, to me, this is crazy because the guy's 36 years old, and he had a, already had a Hall of Fame career. If he, didn't even, if he retired 
before he went to Oklahoma City. The guy's a first ballot Hall of Fame player. Right. When you add into what he has done the last two years, taking a team like Oklahoma City with like all that youth and, and taking that team as far as he did, and then you go to Phoenix, and I like their young talent, no way is this team supposed to be a conference finals team, and it's directly attributed to his leadership, his IQ, his toughness, his competitiveness, all of those things. It's almost like these two years are, to me, more impressive than anything he did prior. Mm. That's, how, wow. that's how good he's been. And what he did the other night, you know, he's he like, you know what, we've got to get this over with. I'm going to go ahead and now turn into a high-volume shot taker because they're giving me this space to go to my right-hand side and shoot this fade back, my mid-range. That's my shot. They're going to give it to me eight times in a row. I'm going to take it because that's what it requires in this moment right now because I want this series over that since Jokic got kicked out. For, to dial it up like that as a scorer at, at that age, when it's not even your first thought as a player is to score, was unbelievably impressive. So I, I just have so much respect for what he's done the last couple of years, but it's incomprehensible to me what he's dealing with right now with this health and safety protocol at this time. It's really, ama- it's really just it blew me out of the water today when I got that news as I'm you know, doing my serious show. I couldn't believe what I, even what I was reading. Hey, you want to hear something absolutely amazing? Discover matches all the cash back that you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically with no limit on how much you can earn. Now, how incredible is that? In fact, even more incredible because of all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations do apply. That whole thing about he's not right physically, but he's going to do whatever he needs to do to get this thing done right now because he's an assassin, right? He's got that killer instinct, which brings me quickly to the Bucks. Like, they're up 17, mm. the Nets are without Kyrie, Harden's on one leg, it's a critical game, and I don't know, Tim, like, I, I love that franchise, I love the players, I love the coaches, but there's something weird there, too. Like, I mean, how how demoralizing a loss is that? How damaging is that, not only to them in that series, but to their overall psyche and what they're building there, and do they lack what you're talking about with Chris Paul and that killer instinct? Honestly, that might be the worst loss of Giannis Antetokounmpo's career. And right. I'm going back the last two years and thinking – the flame out against Toronto, up 2-0, up double digits in game three, and Toronto basically goes to a 1-2-2 zone with five sets of feet in the lane, and Giannis Antetokounmpo could not figure out how to now be effective as a scorer because there was just so much help waiting on him, and he didn't have the polish to beat you as an over-the-top shooter or as a playmaker off the dribble and he's just barreling through guys. He's turning the ball over. They turn the series around, boom, out. And then, of course, obviously last year they got upset by Miami, but he had an injury in that series, and I'll give him a little bit of slack there. And it was a weird year in that bubble. They lost home court advantage. They number one seed in the league, and it, there's no team in the league that that mattered more to than them. They lost that. They're playing down in Orlando in an empty gym. So I gave him a little bit of slack there, a little bit of credit. This is different. You have this team. And they're down to one guy. Because James Harden, for all intents and purposes, last night, you could have put a cardboard cutout with a pair of sneakers on last night on the floor. That's a, and if you don't pick up on that immediately, that this guy is not going to be a factor in this game other than a little bit of ball handling. And now you're going to – I shouldn't say allow Kevin Durant. I don't like that word because it's not like that. You know, Kevin Durant not, was not absolutely superhuman because he was. But 
you're telling me you're not going to find a way when you've got Antetokounmpo, Drew Holiday, P.J. Tucker, three of the best individual defenders in the NBA, you can't find a way to run enough traffic at him to make other guys have to beat you in that situation. You just can't lose a lead that big in a game when you're missing Kyrie Irving and basically James Harden's not on the floor either. And so for me, that might be the worst loss, honestly, of his career. And I think, here's how I describe him, Jim. I think Giannis Antetokounmpo is the one guy I can describe. Maybe Russell Westbrook would be in this category, too. He wants it too badly to ever get it because he squeezes the ball too tight. He wants to be the guy not only to lead the franchise to great places, which I admire because he takes it seriously and he re-signed there and all that. He has to be the guy to do it, and that's just not going to happen because when you look at the other top eight, ten players in the league that have championship aspirations leading their teams, they can all beat you from anywhere on the floor, and he desperately wants to be that guy that can do it, and he just isn't that. He is a center with a little bit of a better handle, He's, and that's really how he beats you. So to let him take threes when he wants, to let him take a mid-range at an inopportune time, to let him isolate with a live dribble from 35 feet, thinking he's going to get to the rim and not commit three offensive fouls a game, it's just you're, you're beating your head against the wall because you're going to get the same result. He wants it too badly, and he wants to check that box, man. I'm a superstar, too. Look what I can do. I can do the same things that Durant can do and, and Kawhi and Steph Curry and all these guys, these star players that have led teams to championships, LeBron, I can also do that. And he just doesn't have that in his game. And they run into the same situation year after year, and it bit him again last night. I think that's incredible what you just said. Kind of like from a baseball analogy, Tim, like try easier. Like for an athlete, that's like the hardest thing, right? Try easier or a baseball player who's just turning the bat into sawdust because they're squeezing it so tight. Which, <laughs> right. You know, when I hear you talk about this, I mean, Tim, number one, this is why you've had the 20-year career as a broadcaster that you've had, which is amazing. I've done this a long time. You've And I worked at ESPN a couple of times. You literally have outlasted everybody. Like, you've outlasted talent. You've had outlasted executives. You've had an amazing run there, but I know you've thought in the past about coaching. How close have you come to becoming a head coach? Is that something you still want to do? Yeah, definitely, man. You know, it's, it's for me, it, it's, it's an interesting personal story because I, you know, truth of the matter is when I retired from the league, I didn't really know what I wanted to do at the time. I was kind of figuring it out and I, I was going through a divorce. And so I had two young children and I probably would have just gone into coaching if, if that wasn't the case, but I couldn't just uproot and go chase a job and start down that path. And my, my passion, by the way, was more toward division one head coach than it was like pro coaching. I really want to have an impact um, on young young men's lives as well. It's just it's just a passion I have. It's my, I think a lot of ways maybe my calling in life because of the, how much I love to teach. And I've done a ton of coaching AEU. I've had a bunch of guys I put through college over the years in coaching and running my program and player development and all of those things. I would have probably just gone down that path and said, you know what, I'm going to put my time in, go get on a bench somewhere, work my way up. And now, look, 20 years later, I probably would be coaching a Power 5 school somewhere as a head coach. There's no doubt in my mind. But – I had these two little ones, and they were everything to me, and, I, and they were based on the East Coast. And so as I was struggling with this, and I, by the way, during that time I went and, because I didn't know what yet I wanted to do, I went and got my master's degree at the University of Pennsylvania. So I went to Wharton because I'm like, I'm going to check that box in case I go into the white-collar world and, and it doesn't work out in coaching or whatever. And I get this divine intervention phone call because I'm struggling with my time commitment to my kids, and it's ESPN. And they're like, you know, you want to audition. So I did. I went up there, checked out, and when I found out in my life to be a full-time dad, stay around the game, 
do this. That's really why I went down the road into broadcasting in the first place, but I've never taken my eye off of coaching. And as I raised my children, and I actually coached my children, and my son, AAU, for seven years, all the way through, got to the point, my son just graduated a few weeks ago, my daughter's now a second-grade school teacher. I was at the point where they basically could say to me, look, you go do whatever you have to do to make this happen. And so I have been, over the last four or five years, it's been something I've certainly got an eye on. I've got an agent for it. If the right opportunity comes up, ESPN knows that that could be something I do one day. I continue to re-sign with them. I just signed a new deal with them. So that's grateful. I love what I do. If I never get to coach and I do this the rest of my life, I'll be thrilled. But, yeah, it's a passion, man. And I, I've, come, I've come in the running here now a couple of times where I, I really thought I had a great chance to get the job, and I think they were reluctant because of what they describe as lack of experience. I put air quotes, and it's the most frustrating thing in the world to hear that uh, because it just so disregards 30 years in the game at the highest level. And if you just listen to me talk for five minutes and, and listen to my passion for this and just stuff I did with the grassroots and rolling my sleeves up and getting tied into the recruiting circuit with my AAU stuff so I would be ready when the time came, I'm telling you I can check every box. You're not going to find a person that's going to be able – to um, process things faster, that's going to be able to recruit better, that's going to connect with their players in a better way, communicate with them, communicate with their families. And so I, I have all these things bubbled up inside of me. It just hasn't broken right. And I continue to look, and hopefully if it ever, you know, the right opportunity comes around, man, and, and I can get it, I do think that's like my final chapter in basketball. Tim, I mean, forgive the language, but what bullshit. I mean, that's unbelievable to me that somebody would have the balls to say to you, yeah, well, you don't have experience. Are you kidding me? You don't have yeah, experience. Man, look, look, I'll, I'll, I'll be Do you want to fight here. somebody I, who says that to you? Okay, so, what? So my alma mater... LaSalle University. Yep. Think about this now. Okay, they, 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 were, they were not very good when I got there. We had a great run over a period of about six, eight years, starting with the teams I was on. Lionel Simmons was a, one of my teammates who was a national player of the year. They went to the NCAA tournament six out of eight years, something like that. Had a great run. And since that time, I'm going back all the way to the late 80s, their program has been an absolutely like they're the bottom of the A-10. They're, they're bottom five in the A-10 every single year. They've been through three or four coaches since then. This job comes up uh, three years ago now, and I go to interview, and I've known the AD for a long time. I go interview. I crush the interview. I come out. My wife's like, what do you think? I said, there's no possible way they're not going to hire me for this job. What in the world have they got to lose or consider to not let me have this job? And at the time that was going on, Villanova's going on a national championship run, and their assistant coach, Ashley Howard, their number one assistant, is a guy that, you know, so now this AD center watching this and watching this and watching this. Now he's interested. I got to interview Ashley. I want to wait to make this hire to interview Ashley when it ends. They win the national championship. And Jay Wright calls on his behalf. And the AD is like, just like, you know, he's like starstruck that Jay Wright called him. And next thing you know, and I'm not trying to denigrate Ashley Howard in any way. I'm just saying that's the direction they went in. And that's how that took a turn on me because I thought, that's my chance. Because, look, other schools have done it. St. John's hired Chris Mullen. Memphis hired Penny Hardaway. Georgetown hired Patrick Ewing. It, it's happened with some other guys. And this program has been so down for so long, it made no sense to me whatsoever that they wouldn't take another risk, especially when I've actually coached. Some of those guys had never even coached a day. And, and yet it, it, it's, they, they you know, made that call to me, and so I'm sorry we're going a different direction. And that was three years ago. And, look, by the way, just, they haven't been 500 since so i'm just saying uh you know and i sit there and watch that and i just can't believe if that wasn't my opportunity i think maybe it just isn't going to happen 
is a metaphor for your business's journey. Sometimes it feels like you're going 100 miles an hour, barely keeping up. But to cruise through challenges, you need someone who's right there with you. That's what Dell Technologies advisors do. They have the tech advice you need to get past whatever's in front of you and get to where you want to go. For advice on solutions like XPS 13 laptops powered by Intel Evo Platform, call an advisor today at 877-ASK-DELL. Incomprehensible. I mean, what if they came back? Tim, what if it all circled around? What if they came back? Can you get beyond that? Or is that something, frankly, that you just are not going to forget and you're not going to get beyond? It's funny you say that because I live, uh, I have a short house and a few houses down from me. I'm walking my dog the other night. And an older gentleman is in the driveway with his granddaughter. And I'm walking by, and the guy just looks up and says, Tim Legler. Yeah, he goes, I am. And he mentions, I'm not saying, I don't want to say necessarily the 80s name, because he's not even there. He retired, actually, after he made this hire. He said, I'm such and such's best friend from college. I roomed with him at LaSalle. We both played baseball together. I said, oh, okay. He proceeds to talk to me and tell me that, you know, he's, he's, he's now kicking himself. That didn't happen. And there's a lot of alumni there that, have reached out to me like, hey, man, stay around, stay around. You just never know where this is going to go. And part of me is like, you know, I felt so disrespected, so disrespected by the decision and not giving me that opportunity. I'm not sure I would be able to reengage my passion in my heart to go that route. Mm. Man, I can't say how much I appreciate that response. I, I, I don't get that that happened, although – and things happen, obviously, that are not explicable, but I, I so appreciate the response. I mean, clearly, Tim, the passion is there for helping young people and working with young people. What about that youth basketball camp? It is coming back in August, right? Are you still doing that? What about the kids in Jersey and Philly? Are you still working with them, and how do they get involved? Yeah, I am, and it's been, you know, it's been incredible. I, so I moved into South Jersey uh, 14 years ago, and I started my camp immediately that first summer, and I'm so proud of what it's become now, and it, it's you know it, it's we're selling it out every single year. Incredible facility in in Pittman, New Jersey, about 20 minutes from Center City, Philly, which is where my house is located in a very similar area. So it's yeah, it's boys and girls eight to sixteen. It's it's and it's the great the thing I love about it the most is it's an it's a real high level teaching camp. It's not daycare. I sent my son to a couple of basketball camps when he was little. And I roll in there for a day to watch, and I'm going, you've got to be kidding me. This is daycare. They're stealing money. Like, I don't even know. And I realized quickly, like, you know what? I've I got to do something like this because I, I, I love teaching. So I put together this unbelievable staff every year. It's high-level teaching. But the great thing about it is, Jim, you can be a kid that's 8 years old or 12 years old that's never played basketball, but you're interested. And guess what? We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna work with you in a different way than that kid that comes in. And I've had Division I players come through my camp that they come in now, they're, they're going to be at a different level of teaching. And I basically do my, I pride myself in evaluating you the first day uh, and kind of observing, taking a ton of notes on every kid in the camp. And that night I go home and I shuffle you around and I make sure the next day when you come in, you're going to be put into a station group with kids of similar ability that are going through the same things, learning at the same rate. And then the stud kids, they're going to be together. And, and same thing with the girls. And then I reach out to the parents of some of the girls, like, hey, you good with me putting your daughter in a group, station group with all boys because she's that good and it's the only way she's going to really push herself. Like things like that. I, I put so much – my wife sits there and she laughs. She's a camp coordinator, but she's like, I just can't believe the way you kill yourself for this kind of detail to make sure that these kids are getting this kind of experience. Because most guys would just come home and go, you know, whatever. I'll put them in whatever group tomorrow and we'll come in and we'll do some drills. I just can't do it. I just can't cheat anybody. So 
I get them. It's such you know, it's such a broad range of levels and skill, and it's so rewarding to me to see kids come back year after year after year after year and how much better they get. Uh, and then they follow them as they go on then in their high school careers and things like that. It's just really cool, man. So, um, yeah, it's August second to sixth this year. It's always usually pretty much that first week in August, um, and it's in South Jersey. And anybody, if, if anybody listens to this and they are in the area, or in the Philly area, South Jersey, or whatever. Uh, it's timleglerbasketballcamp.com. It's everything's on there. You can register right online. So we're, we're almost we're getting close to being filled up for both sessions, um, which we're six weeks out now. So that's pretty incredible. We're gonna have to probably shut down registrations here at some point. But right now, it's uh, it's just yeah, it's probably my favorite week of the year, honestly. I think that's absolutely awesome. Really quickly, Tim, before you go, based on that answer, especially, but this entire conversation, man, you're you're energy is still just off the charts your passion is still just off the charts what i want to know and you've done this a long time lots of people lose interest long before this i mean have you always been wired like this have you worked to maintain this like you've never sounded better how do you feel and how do you maintain that energy and that passion and that juice well first of all man i just can't tell you how much i appreciate those words because that that means a lot to me man because that's what i pride myself in and yeah i am kind of wired this way i've been this way long as I can remember, uh, it started, you know, for me probably when I was uh, 12 or 13 years old when I first started. I was a baseball player. I mean, I was going to be a major league player. There was no question in my mind. And then I grew a bunch, and I started playing this game. And I just realized quickly, like, this is really completely up to you if I have a ball, pair of shoes, and a hoop. I don't need another soul on earth. It's all about how how driven are you. And I've always found from early on, man, I'm a really driven person, have a ton of passion. Um, and so, yeah, it's, it's, it hasn't waned at all. And I think for me, it's because I think this is the greatest game ever invented. And I, the thing I love about it more than anything and why I love teaching it so much is because basketball to me has this incredible blend of individual expression combined with team, teamwork. You know, you think about, like, for instance, a baseball player, and I've played it for years. You know, you go up to the batter's box, for the most part, there's some situational stuff where you're going to move a guy over or get a sack fly or whatever. But for the most part, you go up to the batter's box, you hit the damn ball as hard as you can, and then you run to a specific base. It's on you right then. There is no, like, not a ton of thought process. You're trying to read, but you're going to hit the ball, you're going to run there. Like, football, same thing. On a snap, the quarterback's got a lot of reads, but everybody else has a job. You're going to do this job on this snap doesn't work that way in basketball. In basketball, at the end of the day, you have to make a decision when you catch the ball what you are going to do with it right now. And I love building. Like, and I love this with my team so much. If you saw my AAU teams play, we didn't look like a typical AAU team. We were running stuff. We were sharing the ball. We cared about each other. I only wanted kids in my program who understood that first. I was going to develop you, but it was about the group. The parents had to get that, too, and I had kids. That they weren't a fit over the years. I said, can't do it. No matter how talented you are, I don't want that because my passion is about building this beautiful product and you know, getting a guy to understand if you can run as hard as you can, Ten straight times up the floor, knowing nine of those, you will not touch the ball, and you do it anyway because it's going to benefit the next guy running behind you. If I can get you to do that, understand that concept, and trust that when it's your turn, you're going to get it. And when it's the next guy's turn next to you, they're counting on you to make the right play. You have created the most beautiful thing to get guys to think that way because when they get it, they can do whatever they want to do. And you can create this beautiful blend of the way it's supposed to look. There's just nothing more beautiful to watch, man. And so 
the teaching of the game and trying to get it to that point. That's honestly what I look for every night when I watch it now. It's what I, obviously, every time I step in the gym with kids to help them, that's what I'm trying to create. And I think that, honestly, is what drives me. I got to tell you one last thing, then. All that together, one guy who I think would appreciate this as much of anybody as anybody, is somebody who's no longer with us. Kobe Bryant, of course, went to the Hall of Fame posthumously recently. You and I were talking about Philadelphia basketball. I've got to ask you, Tim, when was the first time you ever saw Kobe? Like, how old was he, and what did you think when you first saw him? He was probably 15. It was in a gym in Philly, and Philadelphia is obviously a mecca for, for basketball players. So, like, so many guys either played college ball there or they're from the area because the high school programs in Philly, I mean, it's, it's one of the best in the country. So, so many guys come back to the area. So, if you're an NBA player, and at that time I was playing in the league, you, you come to what gym? Where, where are the runs, man? Everybody's communicating with each other. Where are the games? And we move them around different colleges, different places, different days. And there'd be a lot of pro players in the gym, typically like all the Sixers guys at the time who were on their roster, and then all the other guys from the area. And I remember walking in the gym one day, and they had trainers in there and everything, and I'm on the table, I'm getting taped, I'm going you know, to be jumping in next game or whatever, and I'm kind of watching the court. And there's this guy out there, and he clearly looks young, but he's out there with a group of nine NBA players, or at minimum of six, seven probably, and a few Division One, high Division One players. And I'm watching this guy, and he's more than holding his own, and his athleticism is like off the charts, his stride and his bounce and his confidence. And I said to the, to the trainer, like, who, who is that guy? I thought he was going to say it was some dude that plays at Temple or Nova or, like, whatever. He goes, oh, that's, uh, that's Bean Bryant's kid, Kobe. He's going to be a sophomore at Lower Marion oh. High School. Wow. And I said, you, that guy's in high school? He's like, yeah. And, you know, Joe went to my school, LaSalle. I had met Joe before over the years. I didn't really know much about Kobe to that point. And got on the court and then proceeded to play a lot of pickup ball with him over that time as he was growing as a player, and then it was kind of cool. We, whenever I would see Kobe um, in, in an arena, I played against him a little bit at the beginning of his career. I was my tail end. I got to play against him a little bit. And then over my broadcasting career, being on site, seeing him, we always talked about and like reminisced about that and talked about those days in Philly. He had such a strong connection to Philadelphia basketball. Um, you know, it goes back that far. And, you know, he's, he's one of the most revered athletes ever in this area. And really globally. And uh, so, yeah, man, that, that one, you know, when losing him, that, that was one of those gut punches that was felt around the world. But specifically, everybody associated with Philadelphia basketball felt it a little bit more. A different future starts with you. That's why GoDaddy does more than help you find a name. You can create, sell, and get found online. So any small business could be a driving force to create change or build an empire. We know old ideas aren't cutting it anymore. So we're calling for a new generation of thinking. Your way of thinking. So whatever you have in mind that will help make a different future, find everything you need to get started at GoDaddy.com. Because the future isn't decided yet. It's up to us to make it happen. Start different at GoDaddy.com. You are one of the most revered Halloween enthusiasts ever. (laughs) Dude, my man, how excited are you for October 31st? Listen, man, it's kind of it's kind of become a sickness now, and and I God help our neighbors because we moved into this community, and there was a lot of young kids, and I'm saying, look, man, this isn't going to be the friendly little ghosts and stuff out in the yard. This is going to be Michael Myers, Jason Voorhees type stuff. This is going to be like terrifying type stuff, and every year we're going to add to it 
and it starts like literally mid-September. We start putting it out because it takes that damn long to put it out there. And I've told my wife, I'm not going to – if I'm putting it out, I'm getting my use out of this. So it stays up forever. And I'm telling you, people come from all over South Jersey and to pose and take pictures and get specifically trick-or-treat at my house because they – and, you know, look, don't get me wrong. Sometimes you get kids that they absolutely are not going to come down that driveway, man. They're staying out by the mailbox, and they're telling their dad, like, look, I'm not entering into that, man. You're going to have to go grab my Snickers. And I'm going to hang out right here because there is too much going on there right now. And I think my neighbors at first were resentful because their kids were having, like, nightmares over this house that was, like, at the end of the development, too. You had to pass my house to get out of the damn development. It was scary for everybody. But over time, they started to see, like, okay, even though it's scary, like, these people who live there are pretty cool. Like, they want to have a good time with this. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's, been, it's become this thing, man. And, and Levitard picked up on that. And then I ended up, they brought a crew to the house, and they filmed me here one year dressed up like a twisty the clown and i was it was it's a good time but it's become this thing it's amazing jim how many times i'm out in public and someone will just shout out like literally at a restaurant or a bar or re- halloween just like at the top of their lungs like because they recognize me and they know that like that's our thing so it's 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 a blast man we look forward to it, but i'm telling you it's a lot of damn work man see that's the thing tim i mean i think people say thank you and it's nice to be recognized at a restaurant but they're in it because i i have a buddy like that i don't want to say that every nice development has a guy like that but i've got a buddy like that that i know is a good friend of mine in fact tim we bought a place in northern wisconsin he puts on this fireworks show every single year and literally <laughs> all these boats come in but there's a level of expectation and i don't even want to get into the tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars that he must spend on the fireworks but i know like i i know what you must go through in terms of the level of expectation the burden the responsibility do you ever feel any of that as it relates to this Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Because it's like topping it. Like, what do we do this right. year? And then, you know, listen, during COVID, I, I, you know, I, I'm decent as far as handy around the house. COVID took it to another level because I'm sitting there with a lot of time on my hands. I'm at home and I'm going, I'm going to invest in some serious tools here. And we did a lot of work around the house, like did all the flooring in my house, did it myself. I never thought that was going to be possible if you asked me pre-COVID, but YouTube could teach you everything. So I'm like starting to do all these projects. And now I'm going wait a second now, I got all these saws, four stall stations <laughs> oh, set up in my man. garage. I can build some outrageous stuff now. Like I could next level Halloween stuff that I wouldn't be able to even find online. And if you could, it'd be outrageously expensive. So I'm like, I'm going to now go down that road because they want me to keep upping my game, man. It's, it's hard to continue to top it year after year, but every year, knock on wood, we've, we've been able to add something. And my, my direct neighbors... Uh, across the street and right next to me, very good friends of mine, both families, their kids, when they were younger, would literally be looking out their windows and stuff because they were scared of some of the stuff that was in my front yard, particularly across the street. I had this scary scarecrow with a real pitchfork, and he's staring straight across the street at their house. And these kids would look out the window when they were like six, seven years old, and just it terrified. They had a hard time sleeping. It's like the whole bit, man. I'm not saying this is necessarily for everybody psychologically, what's going on here. But eventually, 
those kids now I told their parents, hey, th- th- this is good for them, man. I got it done to me by my older siblings, and this was this is all about, man, and it transformed into this one day later in life. So really, you're just it, I'm, you're paying the price for like how frightening my older brother was. Bottom line is, you are giving back. You are making so them better. You are making them tougher. And when you get right down to it, Tim, you are the Michael, LeBron, and Kobe of Halloween all rolled into one. Hey, and listen, I'm going to tell you something too. You are what you're not going to see is any load management out of this guy on Halloween. <laughs> okay, I'm plowing through every one of the those, best. man, and it's like six straight weeks of it. So. I don't want to hear about load management. I bring it every year. And actually, you know, it's funny. We go almost as hardcore with what we do for Christmas, but no one really talks about that as much. Yo, that's wrong. Man, they're sleeping on your Christmas commitment, too. (laughs) Yeah, I need to, man. I I need to, like, I need to figure out some way to uh, make this more of, like, you know, a national thing where everyone's aware of it because everybody pretty much is in this area. Um, but it's, yeah, it's that's fun, what you man. got me we for. Like that fun. You know, hey, that's, that's what you line. got. That's what you we have me for. We life in this house. That's how I look at it. Tim, this is what you have me for. I can help you make this a national thing. You already have regional dominance, but I'm here to help with that. Listen, I mean this sincerely. I, you know, because you're in this business, I'm in this business. People do not show up the way you just showed up for me after all this time. So I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. How fun that was, Tim. You are the absolute best. Thank you so much for doing that. That was an absolute it is my blast. Pleasure. It was an honor to. To, uh, to get that reach out, man. It really was, man. I really, we've done, we did some good stuff back in the day together. I always loved our segments. You are one of the best in the business that's ever been at what you do. And so it, it was my pleasure to come on and, and talk talk some stuff with uh, you. I'm going to say the same exact thing about you, Tim. I appreciate you so much. I appreciate and I respect you so much. Thank you, man. You got it, Jim. Big ups and enormous thanks to Tim Legler for making time for that. Great to have him on. If you enjoyed that as much as I did, and if for some reason you are not yet subscribed, make sure you do so because there is plenty more where that came from. And an upcoming episode, 179, which is going to drop next week. In the meantime, let me get you to your voicemails. First new message. Hi, Jim. Bella B in Calgary. You sure have taken a lot of calls from Lady Clones in the Jungle lately. None worse than Kim in Sacramento. What the hell is she talking about? Lady Clones posting pics of Chardonnay from the yard. We're in a freaking pandemic, Kimberly. People actually work from home. Shut your face. Message saved. Next message. What's up, man? It's Mac. It's Brady in Rochester. Pop-Tarts are on sale at price rate. It's about to go load up. If your pants are running low, let me know and I'll get some for you. Hey, how come you never answer this phone anyways? Maybe I'll try calling your other number later this week. See ya. Message deleted. Next message. Hey, Romy, what's up? This is David from Buffalo. Listen to some of these people call in like a week and a half before the smack off. Nowadays, it's embarrassing, man. These people, I don't know what they do for a living or who they are or who they think they are, but they're never going to go anywhere with this. And to me, it just goes back to proving that the best days of the jungle were the old school days when people actually called in and had sports takes. I'm hoping on the 25th we have a battle between the Cavalier Nation and I.F. Brady for the championship. More sports, less clone-on-clone crap to be a lot better. Out. Message saved. Next message. Jimmy Jim, what's up? It's Dr. Dave. You know, it's going to be a good week here. I finally get a vacation to Florida. And I find out I get an audition for Jeopardy this Tuesday. It's going to be great. The only thing is, like, I better not get on the show when Joe Buck is the host, because that will fucking be terrible. 
a waste of sound on the airwaves. Gotta get rid of him. Later, bitches. Message deleted. Next message. Romy, Justin in Melbourne. With all these smack-off videos coming your way, you know they say the clones have the faces for radio. I didn't know if they could borrow some of that cake you guys put on the daily up there, or has old man written buried that cake? Message deleted. You have no more messages. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.